0: Welcome to Baking with House of Bread, and I am your host, Sheila McCann. I thought I'd take this new year talk a little bit about some of the basics that I find are very helpful in business, baking, and life in general. I'm going to call this episode the Seven Heavenly Virtues for Baking, Business, and Life, and it's somewhat a spin on the Seven Deadly Sins. I happen to know them by heart because I drink this wine that was called the Seven Deadly Zins, as in Zinfidel. I did look them up, though, on Google, but I thought I knew them. And it is pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. And those things, whether they're sins or not, I can tell you they're not going to help you. <laughs> so they're not going to help you in baking, business, or life. My spin on this is the Seven Heavenly Virtues. The first one is humility. So there's a difference between being smart and being wise. There's a lot of very intelligent people that are somewhat stupid. I mean, they're kind of clueless. And I think we all know some people that are like that. They're generally the people that are bragging and you're just like rolling your eyes going, oh, come on, when are they going to stop? So wise people know that it's through humility that we receive the best lessons in life arrogance about how great you know your baked goods might be it's really going to stop you from being open to improving and you know one thing about baking bread especially some of the more complicated doughs it really can be humbling because just when you think you got this whole thing mastered all of a sudden you make a loaf you use the exact same ingredients beforehand and you thought you were proofing it the same and and baked it the same, and then it just comes out wrong. That is one of the reasons that I like baking bread. Um, it's not foolproof, and it is it is humbling at times. And the other thing about being arrogant, it's it prevents you from really listening to people, and those people would be like your customers if you're in business, and especially about hearing some complaints. It's easy to hear compliments. Right? Oh, your baked goods are so wonderful. It smells so good in here. You know, whatever, all those positive thoughts that or sayings that people say. And it's much, much more common. Very rarely do you get a complaint. And when I do, I take them very seriously because there's some truth to it. Right? So if they're complaining about something, then I, I, either that or they don't really understand the product. But they really are trying to make a suggestion generally for your benefit. So if you start with trying to understand and being open to something that's a little bit more negative, because really, that's how we grow. Okay, the second one of the virtues would be the ability to adapt, rebound to changing circumstances. I remember when I was in business school and they talked, talked about markets changing. And to be honest with you, I didn't really get it. And I didn't even know what a market was. (laughs) So I never really understood it. And then it was after I was in business for a few years that I'm like, oh, that's what that professor was talking about. So when I first opened, it was fat free was the rage. And it was like, you know, running downhill, so to speak. And, And then all of a sudden, boom, about two, three years in that low carb movement came in. And it was, it was like being dead in the water. I mean, I was just like, okay, I can't believe this. I mean, what's, what's going on here? All of a sudden your products went from being like super healthy to being super evil. Well, the first thing you kind of have to do in small businesses is, is you have to react quickly. So seeing the sales decline, well, you need to immediately adjust your bake and reduce production and cut your labor costs. It's somewhat like you know stopping the bleeding right? Until you can figure out a plan on how to adapt and get out of this. That's the advantage of a small business. You can be much more reactive. But, you know, if you've got your head in the sand thinking, oh, this is just going to change. Or, you know, if you're that arrogant person who thinks, well, what's the matter? I've got the best baked goods around. Why aren't they buying it? Well, you need to really look at your market and see what and listen to what people want. And you really have to be solution orientated. Recognize it's an issue. You know, don't dwell on the problem. I mean, that's not gonna help. Okay, so you know, you can talk about, okay, these low carb diets are stupid. You know, an Atkins diet of, of obese, being obese. <laughs> but at the same time is that's not really gonna help you. I mean, part of it, you can educate people because you know, it still exists today. Really there's three macro right? There's your protein, there's your fats and carbs. And if you study diets throughout history, about every 20 years they come through. And if you eliminate one of those three macronutrients, you're gonna lose weight, right? It's not gonna necessarily be sustaining and it's not necessarily healthy. I mean, there's a balance between proteins, carbs, proteins and fats. And that's where you need to like figure out and all bodies are different, right? I do quite well on very little fat and a lot of carbohydrates. Yeah. So but some other people, you know, they swear that they do better with a little bit more of a protein base or a little more of a um, fat base. And I do think those that not to sound arrogant, <laughs> but I think I'm right, is that I mean, really, Americans, they suffer from a lack of fiber, not a lack of protein. And where are you getting fiber? You're getting it in your whole grain breads. So once again, though, even though I know that I can't be arrogant about it and think, OK, well, what's wrong with people? Don't they get it? Well, you know, because they're susceptible to a lot of misinformation, quite frankly. And there's a big business in it, too. So, I mean, that whole diet world is like huge. What I'm trying to get at is that you have to recognize that the market is shifting and like, what can you do? And you can't really be comfortable. So I'm focusing on solutions. Now I know that this low carb thing is here. I can't really whine about it. I can't cry about it. Well, you can, but it's not going to do anything and you can't like sit on your laurels and think, well, I'm right. They're wrong. No, man, you got to figure out what to do. So in this case, what I did do is I introduced a low carb bread. It really wasn't that great. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of the original gluten-free breads, but but it did, if you ended, I ended up adding a lot of jack cheese to it, a lot of seasoning. So to make it more Anyway, so that did sell for a little while because there was people on the low carb diets that could have that. And then the other thing you did at that time is I got into things like sandwiches. Um, So when I first opened House of Bread, I mean, we just did baked goods and mainly just breads. I didn't do all the pastries that we do now. And I didn't necessarily want to do sandwiches. You know, I opened a bakery because I like baking, not because I like you know putting sandwiches together. The reality is, is that in life, sometimes you got to do stuff you don't want to do. And I also justified it is that if I do sandwiches, I'll get people trying the bread and then it'll be easier to sell it to them. So I did rebound and then, you know, then bread was popular again and then it wasn't. Then there was the wheat belly diets, you know, so you're always kind of running into this. um, I would say diversification you know, that can somewhat keep you um, insulated from the natural changing markets. So the third heavenly virtue is caring for your customers. And when I see caring about them, it's really, it's about concern about giving them true value. I always kind of try to train my staff sometimes. I say, okay, so if it's not something that you would buy, or not something you wanna to give to your grandmother that you love to death, well, then don't sell it. Cause I want them engaged in helping to make sure that our products are excellent. I could, cause you know, we're all human, right? We all make mistakes, including my bakers. If there's something that isn't quite right, I want the retail staff to be the second tier of defense, so to speak. Defense between a substandard baked product being sold. And um, So it's not about the dollar you make right then. So it's like something's wrong with the muffins. Like, oh, yeah, I could sell them. But then here's the problem. People aren't going to come back. They didn't get value in it. In a business like House of Bread or maybe your business, they're going out of their way to buy your baked good. There is plenty of breads in the grocery store and there's plenty of muffins in the grocery store. So what makes them want to buy yours? And chances are they're going to be paying more for your product. Will it better be, a better taste, better for, or it better be more nutritious for them? Something it's got to give them value, and it's really about the owner, um, sincerely caring about giving their customers value. And then you look for ways, and then you you second guess when you should raise your prices. It's not that you shouldn't. I mean, trust me, especially during uh, this COVID pandemic situation with the uh, supplies going out the roof and whatever. I mean, you really do have to in- increase your prices, but don't, you know, you don't still don't want to gouge your customers and um, because they know it. I mean, people know when you nickel and diamond them. Try to come up with a fair price. You know, don't undersell yourself at the same time. The other thing that to keep in mind is that your true competitor is the grocery store. That's where 98% of people buy their bread. And so sometimes I see these little bake, bakeries come up, and and then they, you know, want to think that I'm the competition. I'm really not the competition. They're not really my competition. So let's all work together and try to get people eating better, healthy goods. <laughs> I hate it when I people are eating that mass-produced bread. I mean, it's it's really bad. It really is bad. And not to be arrogant, <laughs> but I'm telling you, once you look into it, you, you would agree. There's nothing uh, that's healthy in those mass produced breads and even the organic ones, you know, they trick you too. So I want people to go to my competitors. I want the small uh, business owners that are making really good products. I really want them to succeed. And so and that's kind of, a, you know, the attitude is that you want to work together to educate the, the consumers of why they should go out of their way and go to these other little bakeries. And if I don't have, You know something that they're asking for? Heck, I send them to you know wherever. There's a couple bakeries in town that I'm always referring people to. So the next heavenly virtue is caring for employees. If you do have employees, it's it's one of those things that um, turnover is something that's going to kill a business, right? So just think about it. When you got a new employee, they're likely to make more make mistakes, right? Because they're learning. And then also, too, you got to pay somebody to train them. So it really hurts your labor costs. The customers, too. I mean, they like seeing familiar faces. So do what you can um, to prevent that turnover. And in small business, it's really, I think, sincerely caring about your employees as well. I mean, treating them with respect and and trying to have a fun environment. I always kind of make statements once in a while that, you know, it's only bread. Um, and what I mean by that, so when I was a public defender, you know, people went to jail. <laughs> there was a lot of ugly facts there. And so, you know, in the bakery business, so you burn some bread. Really? It's just bread. So trying to keep it in that perspective and not to have like a whole totally stressful environment um, and also too not like threatening your employees. I'm like, like, once in a while, Well, I'll tell you, I had a franchisee who, who failed, by the way, and he had notes around his bakery, like, if you don't do this, you're going to get fired. Well, heck, you're only paying these people, you know, maybe a little more than minimum wage. I mean, they, you're not paying them enough to abuse them. Now, if you're working in some tech business and you're paying them, you know, whatever, $150,000, well, they might get, be able to get away with it, but not in a small working environment. So caring for your employees is important. Lastly, why not have a fun environment? I mean, the baking business, it is, it should be. And it's so easy to have a good environment. I mean, it smells good, your products taste good, and you really get to enjoy the rewards of your hard work. And it is hard work. Okay, so baking is not an easy trade. And so if you're susceptible to sloth, one of the seven deadly sins, (laughs) then I would say go do something else. The next one is pricing. So in business, you really want to get your pricing right. And that's really about researching your local market. You know what I do when I go into a new market and we're opening up a bakery in the Dallas market. Well, I go look at the grocery store bread. Okay. What are they charging there? Cause I want to be a little bit more than the grocery store bread. I don't want to be the same price. I want to be a little bit more than them. And then I'll go to other bakeries and kind of get an idea of what the quality is and what they're charging. It's not always about what it costs you to make something. It's how you price something. Pricing is dependent on what the market will bear. Alaska can charge more, right? So it's not all the house of breads have a little bit different pricing. I mean, and I don't set the pricing for the franchisee. I just give them parameters how they should set it and how they should look at it. And I can tell you locally, there's a place that charges like $12 I think it's a loaf of sourdough bread and it's not even that big. <laughs> I mean, it's probably, you know, no more than 16 ounces. And I can tell that they're probably selling maybe three loaves a day, maybe five on a, you know, a busy day. Cause you can tell by how much they got out on display. So I charge for loaf of sourdough about $7 and I do an artisan version, which is a little more harder crusted. And I charge about eight bucks for that. And there's more labor in the artisan style because it's a four day process. But nevertheless, my cost of goods is less than a dollar on these loaves. And sourdough is not an expensive bread to make, right? It has little sweetener, if any, um, and it's kind of just flour, water, salt, yeast, starter. You have good margins in that. And what I mean is your cost of goods is very low in those loaves. So I sell on average, oh, probably at least 10. Some days I'll even sell up to 20 loaves of bread. But let's just take the low point. So if I'm selling 10 loaves a day, I just made $70. And that would leave a $61 gross margin if you figure just a dollar a loaf. And it's actually less than that, but you can also add in like the twist ties and the plastic and, you know, there's probably some waste involved. And then the other guy, he sells, you know, let's say at the most, he sells five loaves at $12. Well, he's doing $60 a day. He's got a $55 gross margin. So notice... They're pretty close. So I got $61 gross margin. And he has 55. I mean, obviously I would go for the higher gross margin, but the same thing is, it's not that my way is the right way that this guy needs to do that. Uh, uh-uh. uh. It's just a different business model. Um, I will tell you this though, is he has to have an excellent product because when people spend $12 on a loaf of bread, they need to think that this is great. And I can, I did try his sourdough and it was really good it's just a different business model. And this really comes back to number one, my way isn't the best way for everyone, but it's how I operate. So keep in mind, I gotta sell a lot more than sourdough. I mean, I gotta sell, you know, I've got about like a dozen varieties of bread every single day. And cause I need to, you know, pay rent, labor, <laughs> certain costs I can have. And so if it's just a little side business and you only need to sell, you know, five to 10 loaves, then that, that's a whole different business model. But you do want to get your pricing right because it really is important. And it is the number one thing that is going to affect your sales and figuring out how much volume you want. What I do notice uh, is that now people are are charging more. But beforehand, I used to see these little bakeries and they weren't charging enough. Um, I just thought, you know, all that labor going in there and the good ingredients. I mean, they really need to raise the price. So you want to be higher than what's in the grocery store and better. So assuming you're better, you want to be priced more. And marketing. Marketing is the other heavenly virtue. And I put this after the other ones above because really, if you're humble, if you're willing to adapt, you're priced correctly for your market, you care about your customers and employees, you're going to have great products. And your customer service is going to be good, too. That's the best form of marketing, is your product and your customer service. So it's important to make people feel good when you, when they're buying products from you. And I can tell you that, you know, the traditional advertising, I mean, I, I'll tell you that I think it's dead. I mean, if you think about it, do you pay attention to ads? I mean, those on um, TV? No. How about when they come up on your computer, those blinking things that you just can't wait to you know, get rid of, or you're trying to watch a video and you got to listen to 13 seconds of ads. I mean, I've never bought anything. (laughs) I'm just waiting for those things to get over with as quick as possible. And, you know, now, I mean, pretty much everybody's going to Pandora or, you know, other ways of watching TV so they can like skip through all those commercials. And it really doesn't matter if it's at the computer, the newspaper, TV. We just, we have a tendency now to tune out the ads. Uh, what we do pay attention to, well, think about it. what what motivates you to buy something or try something new. It's not hearing about it. So you hear about it from a recommendation. You know, the, the most powerful is your recommendation from your friends or family, right? Or, you know, it could be even on a Facebook page. Someone's really recommending this restaurant. You got to go check it out. Uh, well, that means more if you just saw the advertisement from the restaurant. There's just not that much credibility there. And so the closer you are to the person who's making the recommendation, then the most, the more credible it is. And it's really about connection, word of mouth. You know, that's still number one. You know, there's ways of going about trying to get that word of mouth spreading more so. One way is by asking people, you know, ask your customers, you know, if they tell you that, oh, you've got the best bread or you got the best brand muffin, you know, whatever it is. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad you like that. Hey, would you consider, you know, letting other people know about that? Because I could use some help with some marketing, you know, whatever. Just ask. Your customers, they want you to do well. They care about you. They like your baked goods. So it's just a matter of reminding them. Or you can ask them to share on social media. The other cornerstone of marketing in the baking business is sampling. I always think about if I can get my products into people's mouths, they will know why my bread or baked goods are superior to what they're buying in the grocery store. And so if they can meet the owner, that's kind of the home run type situation. So if you are at a farmer's market or wherever, and if you can sample, I would highly recommend it because it really does get people buying more and then meeting the owner. I mean, that's a that's a win-win. Assuming you're nice to them. you got Okay, and I'm sure you would be. You got to be nice to your customers. Seven heavenly virtue is appreciating or rather maybe understanding there's no shortcuts. And what I mean by that is that's that there's really no life hacks. I don't care what it is in a business, in your baking, any relationships you have, Whatever your goals are, whether it be, you know, money or how you want to look or how you want to feel, it really is a every single day you think about all the little things you need to do and consistency and getting those little things done or, you know, small goals and and just work, you know, here, let me just manage the next hour, you know, think about one day. I mean, it would be nice if we could just do one thing and be that perfect baker, right? If we just got one trick, well, there really isn't any tricks. And same thing with a business. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to have this magic product and I'm just going to be super successful or, you know, or as a person, right? So, you know, whatever you're, I don't know, let's say you're trying to be healthier. Well, you know, just start with maybe trying to eat a little more fruit at breakfast or something, you know, or trying to add maybe a vegetable here or there, or maybe having one less beer at night. I mean, I don't know, but it doesn't have to be like, you know, I got to go on this diet or something like that. You know, just, just little things, I think, add up to making a big step. And I will say on the baking world, you know, it's really taking the time to find the right ingredients, right? And there's a lot of patience that involved in baking. And there's a learning curve and you've got to go through it. I mean, that's just kind of what life is. And it's almost like, if you think of it this way, like, you know, if you try to tell teenagers ins and outs of life, they don't believe you, right? It doesn't resonate with them. It's it's, they have to go through it. And that's the same thing with anything, with the business, with the baking, is that you're going to have to go through, uh, make your own mistakes, right? And, you know, just be willing to recognize it, you know, adapt and change um, and understand that maybe you're going to take a little more time, right, and get it right next time. And imperfections are just part of being human. You know, it's really not that sexy, right? So this is the little things I can, okay, so in business, you know, you come in, you pick up the trash that's outside, you make sure the bathroom's clean. (laughs) I mean, that's the reality of running a, a bakery. It's not just about, you know, making beautiful baked goods. And you also, you know, figure out how you're going to um, display your products and, and really give value to those, you know, the little constantly trying to think of better ways to give value to your customer. So in life, you know, it's the best trying to have one good day, you know, eating, sleeping better, you know, whatever you're drinking, you're exercising or work, you know, trying to find that balance. So there is no magic pills to health, right? Or energy. Well, maybe there is, (laughs) but there's a downside to those little pills they sell you for energy or you drink or whatever. It's little steps. And so if I have to leave you on one thing, it's the magic. It's in consistently doing all those little things right. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a little deviation from my usual recipe and baking. I will be back on track on my next episode. So we're going to go back to baking And until next time, everybody, happy baking.